0: Welcome to Clarity to launch the podcast. I'm your host, Natanya Bravo, founder of The Bravo Life, business and mindset coach, and a woman on a mission to help you acknowledge that internal whisper and gain the clarity you need to launch a life you truly love. Years ago, I followed my own whisper and took a leap of faith, leaving behind a six-figure salary and everything I knew to fulfill a one-day dream of moving to Paris. That one tough decision led me to creating a seven-figure business, marrying the love of my life, and helping thousands of women use their passions to uncover their purpose and create the income and impact they were born to all boil down to one decision. Was I going to keep telling myself one day or make today, day one? Now it's your turn to decide. Clarity to Launch is here to give you the tools you need to guide you along the way. All you have to do is decide. So are you ready? It's time to launch the life you were born to live. Hey, welcome back to Clarity to Launch the Podcast. I am so excited for today's episode where I'm joined by the lovely Tiana Tai, who I had the pleasure of working with earlier this year. Tiana is a leadership and team dynamics consultant and founder of the Leader Circle, and she helps CEOs build high-performing teams so that they can scale their businesses and reclaim their zone of genius, which is exactly why I hired you, Tiana, and I'm so excited to have you on today. Oh, thank you
1: so much for having me. I'm excited for this conversation.
0: Yes. Before we start, for those of you that don't know Tiana yet, Tiana, I would just love for you to share a little bit more about you
1: personally. Okay. Okay. Personal, personal. You know, you have to kind of take your business owner hat off just a little bit (laughs) to let people in behind the scenes. Um, So Tiana Tai, hello, hello for those who I haven't had the pleasure of meeting yet um i am one of those super nerds who tends to kind of be in my shell so for those of you who are into all the personality assessments i'll give you guys the full lowdown in rapid fire format so i am a taurus enneagram 5 um what's another one hmm I'm a manifesting generator. I was just about to ask you that. I was like, did yep, you- Human design, human design." Yeah. I know my oh, human are out there. <laughs> yeah, so we have that in common. So I'm a manifesting generator. Um, if you're into like Myers-Briggs, I'm an INTJ, which apparently is relatively rare for female identifying individuals. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Yeah, very research oriented, tend to get obsessed with kind of obscure topics, all of them, I've found that across like all of these different personality assessments and dimensions, whatever you want to call it, uh, have this similarity of being the type of people that kind of come to life when we get to talk about something that we love, but also tend to lean on the introverted side, tend to go into like hermit mode when stressed, All of those are incredibly true for me. Literally, my husband calls it the cave. When I get into one of those (laughs) moods, good or bad, he's like, oh, there she goes to the cave. And I'm like, yes, you know me well. But um, I ended up marrying my high school sweetheart, which is absolutely hilarious, we joke about that all the time. We're like, wow, that was really us. That's really funny. Um, And I took kind of the formal approach in terms of my career path trajectory. I did the whole undergrad thing, got really, really lucky and ended up kind of course correcting my path last minute in undergrad because I was going to go into therapy. Decided, hmm, I don't feel ready to be trying to counsel people when I'm 20 years old and have barely lived any life myself so let's rethink that path just for me personally and that's kind of how I landed in industrial organizational psychology so So I went straight into masters
0: yeah you just said a phrase that I know went over many of our heads like (laughs) industrial organizational psychology I'm Mm -hmm. like that sounds above my pay grade can you explain (laughs) what that is and how did you transition into where you are today
1: Yes, really, really good question. I always say that it's like a really fancy title, but it's actually relatively simple. So in a nutshell, Industrial Organizational Psychology, we can just call that IO Psychology for short. uh, We specialize in studying human behavior specific to the workplace, right? So, you know, you have other types of psychologists who study other types of human behavior. We just study the way humans live, function, survive, are motivated or demotivated by work specifically. So I find that we have this really unique perspective and it's a really good sweet spot. Um, Whereas with traditional business coaching or just other modalities are incredibly useful, like not saying that they're not, but to be able to bring in more of that psychological human motivation aspect and kind of pair that with okay what are best business practices like what are the tried and true methods and really kind of bring that nuance back into the conversation that's that's really where we live in a nutshell
0: love it I did not even know that was a thing by the way until Mm -hmm. researching you before hiring you and was like what is that (laughs) yeah (laughs) okay great and so how did you go from that to Mm -hmm. your business today
1: Ooh, interesting question. So I started out, I actually started my career in consulting, which a lot of people, some people do, many people don't. So sometimes you'll see IO psychologists or just other uh, related professions, starting out working internally in like a larger corporation, right? So you'll you'll find that bigger companies like um, a Home Depot or a Google, they tend to have really high uh, IO psychology presence, actually, if you kind of look at who's composing the people management and HR side of things for them. But I didn't go that route. I ended up being in a professional master's program, which allowed me to still work full-time while actively pursuing my master's degree, which was beautiful. Cause to be honest with y'all, I had no desire to be a broke college student any longer. Like I was like, I want a job. I'm trying. I was literally, I think I was, yeah, I was getting married. I was planning my wedding, getting married immediately following graduation. Cause again, high school sweethearts, we were like, why wait, let's just do that. So I wanted to work, you know what I'm saying? But I also wanted my master's. So because I found a professional program, I was actually able to leverage that and um, kind of use that to my advantage to get a step in the door, basically, for a consulting gig. Them understanding that I'm still a student, I was learning, but it was this beautiful opportunity to be learning and applying knowledge all at the same time. So I did that and we specialized in pharma which is very different from what I do now. Um, Basically, when you think about the companies that created all of the vaccines for our little friend, Rona, those were our clients. Um, So same type of work. Everything was really teams, leadership-oriented, lots of training, lots of war rooms whenever there were big change management projects or launches in these different companies, but it was pharma-specific. And so I was introduced. I can't even remember how it happened, but I was introduced to Jenna Kutcher, not in person, but just like who she is as a presence, which she is incredible. And, um, By that introduction, I started to just kind of have the world of the online business, online entrepreneur circle kind of opened up to me. And slowly but surely within the next year, I started kind of pivoting my attention. I was like, I like this entrepreneur crowd. Y'all are my people I literally was the girl that sold cookies and bracelets and all the things growing up. So I was like, y'all are definitely my people. And now I actually have an expertise that I can apply in this space. Cause this, you know, fast forward a couple of years, I have my master's and all that. And that's honestly kind of the long story long of how I ended up here.
0: I <laughs> love it. And a word that keeps coming up and that, I feel like right now is almost like a buzzword is like yeah. leader and leadership. And there's always yeah. these different words that at different years, there's like the word of the year. In your perspective, as someone that specializes in this, studied this, what actually makes a leader? And more importantly, how can we embody leadership in our businesses, especially when you're usually starting as a solopreneur, and so maybe you've got a team of one, and then maybe a team of three, how do we bring
1: leadership into our businesses? Oh, what a good question. Uh, I would say what makes a leader, honestly, is showing up as someone that's worth following. Mm. so for me leadership can start well before and honestly it should start well before you actually have the team like if you're a solopreneur listening to this episode you are meant to be listening to us have this conversation right now because with my clients who look I work with clients who their businesses are already at the multiple six-figure mark. They tend to be going into a pretty rapid scale period in their company. And I'm sure we'll talk about that a little bit later. But still to this day, one of the first things that we have to dig into is them leading themselves.
0: Mm. You just said word in
1: that one one
0: phrase. Let me
1: tell you. It's (laughs) literally one of the four dimensions of my leadership framework is lead yourself first. Okay. (laughs) You want to follow you. Right. If you don't want to follow you, we have some work to do because that is that same feeling that you get in your gut when you're just like, oh, this is the worst or it's too much or it's overwhelming or it's unorganized or I can't even begin to wrap my arms around it. All we do is bring other people in to share that burden with us. And so there is I mean, there's real work to be done in regards to just leading yourself and understanding who you are and how you want to operate as a leader, you know? I love that. Thank you. And you said something earlier about the
0: journey of scaling and something that I enjoyed when we worked together was your perspective on the different challenges and where you should have your focus at different levels of business because it's an approach that I have with my clients on what you should be focusing on to six figures to multiple six figures to seven mm-hmm. figures. So I'd love to hear from you what do you think we should be asking ourselves when we're scaling to 100k when we're scaling to multiple six and then when we're scaling to seven if there's like a question or two at each phase.
1: Okay, yes. So let's start with scaling to 100k. I will say just by nature of my experience working with clients and then just having peers in the space itself, typically when you're scaling up to 100k what we see most often in regards to teams and leadership in this whole world is a lot of work with contractors or hiring contractor slash freelancer types on a project by project basis. So a lot of times that's like, if you're doing a big launch, and you just don't have the expertise, like don't burn the time trying to learn how to code your website, hire someone who can do that for you. (laughs) You know what I mean? And so to be, to be quite frank with you up to the hundred K mark, often we see people sticking by themselves or maybe having one other person consistently contributing to the business. And by consistently contributing, I'm talking, you know, like five, 10 hours a week minimum, you know, whether they're in an admin role or they're actually helping you with the client load, that is kind of the most common setup situation that I see. I will tell you to be clear, y'all, everything that I share, there is, um, what's the phrase? there is an exception to that rule. Yeah. <laughs> and so I always like to put that out there especially when we start talking about these phases because until either like anybody gets into the nitty-gritty of what's going on, there are nuances and there are exceptions to every rule and it may make sense for you to have three people supporting you. I couldn't tell you unless I knew what products you have, what services you have, what your operational fulfillment looks like so on and so forth. But Anyways, up to the 100K point, we see that super, super often. And then when you go into the multiple six figures, that tends to be where this conversation around, okay what do, how do I want my team to operate? That's like when that reality kind of hits because at that point, most people have a couple of contractors on payroll, you know, that you may have someone working admin, someone helping with marketing or content creation or what have you. And so it starts to become a little bit more real versus when it's just you and your right-hand person kind of rocking it, team of two. And so I do find a lot of my clients bring me in at that phase because that's where, like I said, things start to get real. The money's real. The responsibilities are real and are quickly doubling and tripling. And you're just like, whoa, wait a second. And if we can get things a little bit cleaned up during that phase, it really sets the stage well for that rapid growth that everybody seems to want. Every time I look on Instagram, everyone's trying to scale really quick, trying to have a hundred thousand dollar launch or whatever. It's like, y'all want to scale real quick, but be you very aware. of. <laughs> yes.
0: yes. I, I have actually have clients that are the opposite. They're, they actually are, I think because more people are being a little bit more transparent about what does go in, not everyone, but they're right. a little bit more transparency of the fact that hundred K months or hundred K problems at the same time. Um, so I think there are some people who, yes, are like, I want this. I want this. And without realizing not just like the money mindset and all the things that go into that, but also what you specialize in, mm-hmm. like you have this influx of clients. Can you actually deliver and can your team deliver? And are you overwhelming them and all of
1: those things? Oh yeah, because once we talk about going from the multiple six figures into the seven figure mark, talking about 100K plus months, Operational fulfillment should have been your best friend when you were at the 100,000 a year mark, you know what I mean? But it's definitely your best friend now. Like every product, every launch, every service, we're always looking into, do I have the people, the resources, the systems, the automations, like is that in place to be able to fulfill whatever this promise is? I don't care whether it's a one-on-one, a group, you're launching some new digital product, it literally doesn't matter operational fulfillment is like the key phrase that I would tattoo it on my arm if I could. Well, I wouldn't, but you know what I mean?
0: (laughs) Yeah. That's actually how I, I like to say, I like broke my business, which I actually think was really helpful because it helped me see what I needed. Uh I had a huge month where I scaled very quickly, unexpectedly, and brought in like 104 new clients. And at the time it was me, my right hand and like a couple contractors here and there. And then it was like, Oh, okay. We need like a team tea
1: <laughs> now. <laughs> <Like> now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. And then, you know, just depending on what you're doing. So I'll use myself as an example, right? Um, A lot of times, especially earlier on in your journey, many of you can probably relate a big conversation you hear is like, oh, you know, you need help. There's too much on your shoulders. Go ahead and get an executive assistant or a virtual assistant or what have you. And for many business models, that is absolutely the correct thing to do. But for other business owners, again, this is entirely dependent on what's actually going on in your company right now, where are you burning time? Where are you dropping balls? If someone was able to take, you know, this list of roles and responsibilities off of your plate, would you be able to show up better and do the work better and serve the clients better and actually meet your deadlines? Yes or no? You know what I mean? Like, these are the conversations that we have to have. And as an example, for me myself, when I was at that phase, I was sitting there thinking about it. I used my own resource um, and we can put it in the show notes, but it's tianatai.com slash delegate. And I used my own resource to actually audit my time Mm -hmm. and figure out how am I spending this time again? What balls are getting dropped? What are some really good revenue generating activities that like I'm just kind of scratching the surface on because I'm so burnt out trying to handle everything else. And so two things came like glaring at my list, right? A lot of times when you put everything down on paper, you see a pattern real quick. It was my dang on podcast. And it was actually doing some of the operational fulfillment work of some of my client services, right? And so that's, that paints a really interesting picture for you whenever it's two things that are very specialized. And you're like, wait a second. If I hired this admin person, yes, things on the back end may be a little bit cleaner. And that's great. However, that doesn't take these two really big problems that I'm having off of my plate. So is that the path I wanna take? And at that point you can kind of make more of a logical decision. So one of the first quote unquote official, you know, full on core team member hires that I've made is my right hand lady. And she's not as, she's not an assistant. She's not an executive assistant. She's not a virtual assistant. She is an associate consultant in my company. She is literally about to graduate with her own master's in IO psychology. And that was absolutely necessary for where my company is right now. Not to mention I'm about to go on maternity leave. That's a whole nother episode basically. (laughs) (laughs) But where I am right now, where the company is going, what tasks were actually burning so much time that if I was better supported in them, I could make other things straightened out in my business it was bringing her onto the team. And so I wouldn't have known that if I didn't try to take a step back first and really audit my own company. Mm -hmm. So if you ever are trying to figure it out, kind of doubting what decision you should make, I highly recommend you just audit your own company first.
0: Love that. Yes. And we'll definitely link to that in the show notes. I'd love to know, because again, another buzzword, what's your perspective on culture fit versus culture add?
1: Ooh, cause culture fit gets real messy real quick. Let me tell you that. Um, Culture fit it. Okay. Here's the thing. And I don't think there's anything wrong with it in and of itself. It's one of those concepts that we've kind of taken and twisted and made it into something a little ugly Mm -hmm. when it doesn't need to be. So I like, I would rather say cultural alignment and I'll tell you why I don't like culture fit because culture fit slowly, but surely has turned into this conversation of, I want to replicate me. I want another me. I've literally seen marketing materials out there floating around in the internets talking about hire another you. I'm like, ew, why? (laughs) No, if we hired another Tiana, when things get hard we would both be under the covers like trying to hide from the world watching Netflix. I don't need another me. I need somebody who fills some gaps that I have and brings something new to the table. And so, and I, I think that that's funny. And I think that's relevant because again, I just told y'all that we hired an associate consultant onto my team who literally has the same educational background as I do. Don't get it twisted. She can do the same work that I can do, but she approaches everything in a, in a very different way than I do. And that's a beautiful thing. Like you want a team of people who can really complement each other and fill in some of those gaps, and challenge each other, and push each other, and when we get so stuck on this idea of cultural fit, and we take it to the extreme of being like, if you don't have the same Starbucks order as me, like, this just is not going to be it, what are we doing? That is not, that's not what that was supposed to mean, so that's why, again, I lean more on the phrase of cultural alignment, so like, if you think about your core values, the thing, the way that you want everybody in your company to show up and make your clients feel, show up in the world, show up in media, wherever. How do you guys show up as a team, as a company? Are people in alignment with that? Do they complement that vision? If not, okay, we can have a conversation, but do they need to be carbon copies of each other? No, because then you're just going to have a one-dimensional business and brand and that's not fun for anybody. Yep, I love that. So
0: I want to go back to you a bit, and oftentimes, especially in our online world, which I feel like it's, I don't know if if it's the same for you, like my friends that are not in this space are like, what is this? It's like this <laughs> magical world that seems very like bizarre, I think, to people who are not in it. But I will say that those who are in this space or thinking about joining the space, I think a lot of attention is given on those of us who help people make more money, like in many ways, the work that you do actually does help people make money. But on surface level, that's usually not how people are going to see it at face value, unless you are, you know, that multiple six, seven figure entrepreneur who knows that you're likely wasting time and money by not hiring Tiana. Um, So how have you kind of navigated being in a space online that kind of glorifies coaches and consultants that help people and or businesses make more money where your service and your offerings are not like on face value. Hey, let me help you make, you know, five figure amounts, which I completely hate that messaging. And
1: I tell everyone to run to any, from anyone who tells you that. (laughs) Ooh, hard question because I'm gonna keep it a hundred with y'all. Yes, It was so frustrating when I first entered the space because I was inundated with that message. And I didn't know as, you know, an entrepreneur who I'm I'm a consultant, I do this work that we're talking about right now, but y'all know as business owners, we wear a lot of hats. And so I had to figure out how do I message my consulting services and make this something that was appealing when everywhere I turned, like to your point, everyone's like, yeah, we made a hundred thousand dollars with our client did this, our client, I'm like, whoa. Honestly, it it would be a little bit, um, not even just disingenuous, but also irresponsible, if not inappropriate for me to use some of those metrics as a selling point for what I do. Right. And to your point, again, I am in a kind of luckier position as someone who doesn't directly impact the money. Those who know and those who have been in business long enough understand that I do directly impact the money
0: hundred percent a hundred
1: percent yeah they get it but I will say a lot of my clients I think just from a marketing perspective like I'll just lay it out very simply from a marketing perspective I had to get very very clear on what happens if I'm not there and Mm -hmm. if the the bad situations happen so what happens if the team member gets fired and then tries to sue the small business for wrongful termination what happens if you hire the co-coach and they learn your entire framework learn all of your methodology go out try to poach your client list and steal all your clients from you at half the price you are reading Mm -hmm. Uh oh (laughs) Uh oh let's talk about it right so I had to get really comfortable kind of painting the picture in that way so not a direct monetary value but understanding like guys, there are real consequences to this stuff. It's not all rainbows and sunshine. And then beyond that, I would say, I just kind of had to get okay with it. (laughs) I had to get really okay with the fact that, no, I'm not going to attract the person who is only mesmerized by the monetary figures. But to be honest, I don't know if I want to attract that person. I was just
0: going to say, I don't think that's your ideal client anyway.
1: It's not because my, and look, you know it because you've worked with me and you've done the work. Working with me is not necessarily, like I quote unquote, hold your hand and give you what you need and give you the guidance and the direction. However, it's real work that has to get done behind the scenes. None of this, let's be clear guys, everything Natalia and I are talking about, hiring, onboarding, culture development, leadership, none of it is this, you know, shiny philosophical conversation that we get to have and feel really good about ourselves. She knows and I know that there are there's documentation, there's policies that you have to figure out. There's a lot of like, just the work Mm -hmm. behind people management that gets done behind the scenes. And we don't really brag about it in, you know, in the media, because it doesn't directly impact our clients. It just does impact our clients. All of this is stuff that actually has huge consequences, but it's not the shiny ones that get talked about all the time. So anyways, how to get super comfortable with that Had to get comfortable with the idea that, no, I'm probably going to be attracting the clients that have either been burned in the past Mm -hmm. or they've just been around the block long enough to know that they would rather do it right the first time. And honestly, I freaking love those clients. So I've been having a good old time.
0: (laughs) I <laughs> love it. I always say focus on the 2% of people that need and want exactly what you have to offer. And don't worry about 98% of people who don't, there are more than enough people that need and want whatever it is that you're looking to offer. And I think it is very. I mean, I'm in the, I'm a, in the space of helping entrepreneurs technically, yes, grow their businesses, scale their businesses. So it's directly tied to money. And so even for me, that messaging, it's the same thing as you, I have that, like, is that what I want to lead with? Not really. Like, yes, I can help you make more money and great. We can talk about that. But like, let's talk about what really is behind that and what's really going to be possible beyond just the money of expanding your business, really crafting your content, all the things that go into it. And like you said, my ideal client, yes, they want to make more money, but it's not just, well, I want money to sit in my bank account. They're more focused on impact, you know, what they want to be known for really creating change in their industry. And so I think for anyone who's listening, no matter whether you're on my side where you are directly tied to kind of generating revenue for other people or on Tiana's side where it's indirectly tied, Really focus on the value add of what are your 2% want and need? Sure, money can be part of that, but nine times out of 10, that's not really the thing that your your ideal client is looking for. There's There's more beyond that. And if you can speak to that, you are going to be able to stand out in a sea of let me help you make six figures in six months, which again, I'm going to tell you to run far away from that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> run really, really far and don't look back, y'all. <laughs> yeah. People like to
0: say, oh, yeah, you can make six figures in six months, but what did they do the months prior? They're not telling you this mm-hmm. story, right? So this might be their third year, their third attempt, their third business idea. So the, yes, they, this time they did it, but there was a lot of mistakes, failures that people don't like to talk about. You know, Tiana just referenced sitting in her bed, watching Netflix on the days mm-hmm. that she's not feeling herself. We've all had, the, I have crying on the bathroom floor moments. Like we all have those moments, but people don't like to talk about that because it's not as sexy, we'll say, right? Right. Uh, I think it, it, I hope that there seems to be somewhat of a shift in our industry where people are starting to get to the real of like, why did you want to do this work? Because if it's just for money,
1: you're not going to last very long. Cause oh, no. <laughs> let me tell you, um, and I think it's like, it's a cyclical thing. There are seasons of it, but stick around for a couple of years and you'll see the crowd start to thin out. Yeah. The crowd uh-huh. of people that quote unquote started with you. Oh Yeah. yeah. A hundred percent. So you are an expecting
0: mama and recently launched a new business. Congrats on that. I'd love to know what sparked that idea and how are you finding the balance of speaking to two different offerings and services now?
1: Mm -hmm. Hilarious Um, on all fronts, by the way. So one, super surreal, literally my doula left my house a couple hours ago and I was like, yeah, it kind of dawned on me that this month it's going to be Christmas, and then the following month we're going to have a baby shower, and then the following month apparently I'm having a human child, and then that's just going to be life now. So hmm, very, very surreal, very, very different. But yes, so throughout this whole journey, for me, I was telling you earlier offline, Physically speaking, aside from the fatigue, I have had a beautiful experience and I'm so, so grateful. I don't know if it's Jean, shout out to my mama, whatever you pass down, I'm so grateful for you. But aside from sleeping the first three months, uh, we've been, we've been pretty good around here, but I will be honest, mindset is a beast okay and everyone who is listening pretty much has ever started your own business you know that mindset is the real like silent killer and that's why there are so many amazing people who speak out about it these days because from the day that we decided we we set a conception date not like a formal one but like a okay we'll casually start trying in june and we'll just like see how it goes or whatever And we decided that in January. Right. So from January, my mindset started spiraling before I was even actively trying to conceive y'all like nothing was how I was chilling, living my normal life. And yet random, I'm not going to be able to do this. This is going to be too much responsibility. The revenue is not where it should be. How am I going to continue? I need to go harder right now, not slow down. Like when I tell y'all the onslaught, mean rude disrespectful things (laughs) and I'd like to think of myself as a relatively positive thinker you know what I mean like I've had a gratitude practice for years and years and years but yeah the mindset was real disrespectful so we tried to get that situated real quick it's still an ongoing journey to be honest with y'all but all of that negative did lead to something really positive which I started to seek out women who understood You know what I mean? Because the mommy blogs are cute and whatever, but I needed the woman who owned one or two businesses, was pregnant, was launching, was doing whatever. I needed to talk to her and I couldn't find a platform where she lived. And so I started just like pinging my own network. And because of that, we started having conversations and somehow, some way it very quickly evolved into an entire community called the expecting CEO. So it's been a beautiful thing so far to be honest with y'all I am taking it very very slow like those conversations we had the foresight to record them you're so welcome by the way because there will be a podcast but again am I giving you a date absolutely not because I'm about to go on maternity leave so hold your horses
0: you're about to have a whole human
1: (laughs) So it's been very interesting, because I'm literally learning and getting so excited with all of this amazing content that we're, you know, collecting and what these women are sharing with me. But at the same time, I very much have to practice what I preach, and very much have to practice what they are preaching to me, which is not to bite off more than you can chew and really be gracious with yourself during this time. So currently... We have one product, we have the expecting CEO affirmation deck, which has just been like a labor of love that I did during my second trimester when I was feeling sprightly, you know? We're mm-hmm. in third trimester now. It's time okay, to sit yeah. back down again. You know okay, what that right. is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but second beyond that.
0: All the energy, it's like, yeah, let's do everything. like, let's do all <laughs> of this fun all right, stuff. let me go ahead and sit down now.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so I'm back to my seated position, however, we're super, super excited. There's going to be some things released at the top of this year. So if you're checking this out and the calendar says 2022, you need to go to the expectingceo.com to see what we've got going, because we are releasing some stuff prior to my maternity leave. And then we're going to let y'all consume and be happy with what gets released. And then we'll be back in the summer.
0: <laughs> so what advice would you have for someone who wants to expand their business beyond what they're currently known for?
1: Ooh. I would say um, one thing I definitely did was really just listen to my own community. You know what I mean? So for me, a big part of it was like seeing how this would fit if at all with my current community. And then kind of-
0: I just have to pause because you just said a word. Yeah. I always say like, Market research, market research. And it doesn't have to be Uh a formal research, right? But I'm always telling my clients, like, it's great that you have a, just because you have a passion for something doesn't mean you should necessarily make a business of it. Let's actually find the meeting point. And also just because you're good at something doesn't mean that you're going to love making a business from it either. So let's find that meeting point between like, what am I good at? What do I actually enjoy? And also key element, what do other people actually want and need? So I love that. Mm -hmm. that.
1: (laughs) Oh yeah. So literally that market research came through these conversations that I was having with women, totally selfishly. I wanted their advice (laughs) because I was going through this for the first time myself, you know what I mean? And so in having conversations with them, they made it really clear, like, No, like, I think that this is a thing, I needed this and nobody had this. So I'm really glad that you're at least documenting this so at some point it can get released back into the world. But also for me, again, a part of market research was deciding, okay, this, this is technically a little bit related because, you know, I do teams and leadership. So yes, I can help you figure out from a team's perspective, what things, what systems, what procedures do we need to put into place so that you can take a maternity leave and not have 50,000 Slack messages going while you're in freaking labor. You know what I mean? Yeah, I can walk you through that. However, the expecting CEO we have determined based on what everyone has shared with us is something much bigger separate from Tiana Tycho and the teams and leadership consulting that we do. And it's not just about me. Yeah. And yeah. that's been different. That's been really, really interesting because I'm, I'm sure, you know, like as a thought expert, as that person in your company, It's been really interesting to start to work on a project where I'm not centered 100% of the time. It honestly, it feels damn good. Like it's, it's actually really fun. (laughs) kind of
0: free and (laughs) exciting. I'm
1: like, ooh, we can have like guest bloggers. I'm like, ooh, this is exciting. (laughs) (laughs) So it's been, it's very, very different. Also, again, because we have a physical product with our affirmation card deck extremely different, totally different ball game than, you know, the virtual consulting that I tend to do over on my other company.
0: Love So what is something, and this might've been one of the things, but Mm -hmm. I'd love to know what's something you've always wanted to do that maybe you've never shared or that's on your one day list. And I love asking this question, Mm -hmm. the question that sparked my journey of moving to Paris and starting my business. So I always feel like there's something inside of us all that we say, like one day I'd love to blank.
1: What is Mm -hmm. that for you? Oh, what a fun question. So it's not business related. I will never like quote me, I will never make a business out of this. I will never monetize it. I want to do it purely for pleasure. Hear me when I say that. Um, but I'm an artist, you know, so I draw, I paint, I, I love everything art. And I'm trying to make a more intentional effort to mix the space and the time to enjoy that. Uh, but one modality I've never tried is sculpting. And I just want to be at one of those potter's wheels and like, listen to Erica Badu and make a freaking vase. So <laughs> like that's, that's what that, I want to do.
0: Easily do that. I feel, I feel like
1: there's, oh, like- yeah, it's not even a hard one.
0: Yeah. You got to do that. and And let us like share if, if you want to share, share that journey. That sounds fun
1: honestly, I was thinking about, hmm, what's it going to look like? Again, you guys, this is my first pregnancy. I've never been through this before. So I'm like, what's it going to look like to come back to myself and rediscover who I am as an individual with this added responsibility and title of mother and all that. And I just feel like sculpting and doing something that I've always wanted to do at that time. I feel like that's going to feel good. So we'll see if I actually do it. I'll let y'all know.
0: Love it. Yeah. Yeah. I I personally felt like after giving birth, it's like relearning, not who coming back to who I was, but like, who am I now? Like, right. It's it's a whole new identity. And I think, I think I'm not a therapist or psychologist. You probably can speak to this better than I, but I feel like there's something about working with your hands that helps creativity and unlock creativity. So that's really fun. I'm like about to like
1: Google, is there sculpting classes near me? I'm telling you with COVID everything shut down, but I mean, you know how the world is these days, but I think that there are definitely things open and available these days. So that'll be really nice. Yeah.
0: So if anyone wants to learn more about you or what you do, follow
1: along your sculpting journey one day, <laughs>
0: where can they connect with you?
1: Yes, if you know my name, you can find me in literally all of the places. So I mostly hang out over on Instagram and I'm at Tiana Tai. My website is also tianatai.com. And then if you're curious about the Expecting CEO platform, which again, I'm a part of, but is not me centric. It is this journey centric, however, that is the Expecting CEO again on Instagram. And that's the website, the ExpectingCEO.com.
0: Love it. Thank you so much. It can be really overwhelming when you go from like this idea in your head to like, oh, this is an actual business. So I know a lot of you are going to benefit from our chat today. So thank you, Tiana, for operating in your zone of genius so that we can all do the
1: same. Thank you so much for having me. I hope this
0: episode gives you more clarity and proof that you can create a life you truly love. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review so we can continue to connect and serve those who are ready to use their ideas and experiences to positively impact the lives of others. If you want to connect more, follow me on Instagram at The Bravo Life.